Hey everybody, welcome to episode 30 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam and I am joined yet again by my friend Nick Coates all the way out in Philadelphia. What's up, man? Hey Cam, I am doing pretty well. I'm We're through the, the blizzard of the snow apocalypse that went through here the last week. Was it Was it really that bad? Yeah. Uh I guess I guess it depends where you're at on the East Coast. It was a weird Weird storm because I know some parts of the East Coast got a ton of snow up in New York, but we we got a lot of snow initially, and then it turned to sleet, and then it rained a little bit, and then it was like freezing rain. So it was it was an interesting. It was like yeah. there's probably six inches of snow that was just rock solid because it was like there's ice in there. So I just had to take a shovel to my car to get it to get it <laughs> off, but. We, yeah, we actually got off work that day, and so it was nice, but very odd for being mid-March to get that much snow. So thankfully, it's melting a lot already, so I'm I'm feeling good. feels like spring again. First day of spring tomorrow, which is exciting. But yeah, I'm doing well. Good. For what it's worth, we got our first real snow of the entire winter, and it was an absolute dusting. So Man, I'm sorry. No, I'd trade places with you in a heartbeat. You know that. My my father and mother-in-law live in Oklahoma, and they said it was 90 today. It was really, yeah. It it wasn't that hot here. It was like 76, 77, but the wind was steady from the south, like just gusts of Texas air, which makes me angry. <laughs> but yeah, two weeks, Cam, from tonight, opening night of baseball. Yeah, way to recenter the focus. This is not a weather show. This is a baseball show. Good job. Let's get let's get on to to real things, Nick. Yeah, it's that's why we do this. I mean, we we love talking about our predictions and who we think is going to be the best. But I I much more enjoy actually watching real games. <laughs> so <clears throat> not much longer. It, the spring training always feels like it's forever, but thankfully we've had some things to keep us busy, and the World Baseball Classic has been awesome. Um, we're down to the final four of that, so that'll be good. And then, yeah, before you know it, we'll be talking about real baseball. Indeed. Uh, we will actually talk about the World Baseball Classic here in a minute. I'd like to start off, what's the count, with uh, strike number one. And I would love for you to tell me about uh, a Reds pitcher by the name of Amir Garrett. I'm very intrigued why, yeah, why this was on the, the show notes as, as far as why you're asking me, but I would love to tell you about Amir Garrett. Well, should I explain my reasoning before you uh, wax eloquent? Sure. So I went to MLB.com this afternoon to prepare for our main topic for this episode, which is the top lineups in uh, all of Major League Baseball for the 2017 season. And lo and behold, uh, at the top of the page, they've got a slider of all the important things going on in baseball. And the very first one is Reds ace Amir Garrett with some ridiculous ERA, like .79 or something. And I realize it's spring training and ERAs and, you know, stats don't really matter because it's not real baseball. And everyone is at a different point in their preparation for the season. But two things caught my eye. Well, three things. One, the term ace. 
Two, the name Amir Garrett, which I'm completely unfamiliar with. And three, he's a red, which means I know you know everything about him. So I was intrigued to hear your uh, thoughts on him and uh, what the, uh, should we consider him an ace or is he still uh, young and developing? Well, Amir Garrett <clears throat> is one of the few reasons why I am still cautiously optimistic about the Reds' future. Not necessarily this year, but in the long term because of what he potentially can bring to the table as well as some of our other young up-and-coming players, um, pitchers and position players. But Amir Garrett has a pretty interesting backstory. He was a late-round draft pick by the Reds quite a bit ago, but he was a two-sport athlete. He was playing college basketball at the time at uh, St. John's where he was getting ready to play college basketball. So he he played basketball at St. John's for two years, I believe, and then um, pitched professionally in the, you know, after his basketball season was over in the spring and summer when he was just out of, um, yeah, his first two years of college at St. John's. So he, yeah, he was drafted late because for a lot of reasons that you hear about players being projectable, he's 6'6", um, super athlete, obviously, he's a college basketball player. But really long limbs and arms, but he was really raw as a pitcher, but there was a lot of projection there. So the Reds kind of took him thinking, hey, if he eventually gives up basketball and concentrates on baseball full time, he could be a legitimate you know, pitching prospect because of his size, his athleticism, and he had some pretty good stuff as well. But he, he definitely struggled initially because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to play basketball because that's that's where a lot of your training and conditioning for baseball is done. You know, when you have people as young as him, you know, prospects there at that point, if they've signed professionally for baseball, that's what they're doing year round, honing their craft. Whereas he's spending, you know, basketball season is long. It starts in, it's our practice in October and it's just ending for some teams now. So you're talking, I don't know, six months, almost half of a year. So just a lot, a lot of preparation time lost on that his end, but he actually gave up basketball and started concentrating full time a few years ago on baseball, and he has really emerged as, yeah, a really big uh, pitching prospect for the Reds. He, yeah, he's done really well. He, he's two years ago has really, really took off in high A. Had a really great year down there. They got promoted last year to Double A, and then his first couple months down in Double A. He, I think, led the league in the ERA and just was doing really well down there and got promoted to AAA. So he's he's been at the doorstep ever since about middle of last year. Struggled a little bit with his control, but yeah, he's had a really good spring. And it's been um, a lot of Reds fans have been talking about it because we, we're dying for pitching right now because of losing Dace Clefani and Homer Bailey. You know, at this point, Brandon Finnegan is our opening day starter, which is kind of scary. So he's really pushing to make the team out of spring training, uh, which will be interesting if he does or not, because as we talked about in past episodes, the whole service time stuff, you know, if he if he comes up and pitches for the Reds right away, um, we'll only have him, well, we'll miss out, as, as opposed to if we keep him down for two weeks, he'll gain an extra year of eligibility. But he's still... He's still pretty raw by baseball standards as far as how much as he's played and honed his craft. Um, 
But yeah, he's having a good spring. Like you said, you can't put a, a ton of stuff into it just because, you know, a lot of times pitchers are a little bit ahead of hitters at the beginning. But he's got some good stuff just because he's so tall and lanky. But, you know, he's got a good fastball, and his slider is his his big out pitch. But he's not a guy that no one says that he's going to come up and be like a Randy Johnson throwing high 90s with a wicked slider, like an ace or anything like that. But a lot of a lot of you know people who follow prospects think that he's going to be a <clears throat> number three type starter who is really durable because of how big and athletic he is. So he's never going to be like an ace, but he, he could be a really good major league pitcher for a long time. And one thing about him playing basketball for a couple of years and kind of delaying his baseball career. He's actually a little bit older. I think he's 24 now, and he'll be 25 soon. So he's he's a little bit older for a prospect, but he still has a lot of upside just because of the low amount of baseball that he's played. So all that to say, yeah, I think it's been really good to see his um, how he's progressed as a player and to where he's really having success against major league pitchers this spring. Now he... I think he threw some. He threw five innings today, gave up a few runs, and only had one strikeout. So he's going to have his ups and downs. But if he doesn't break camp for the Reds, he will definitely be up um, sooner rather than later. And he'll throw a lot of innings for us this year. So I'm really excited to see what he does, along with Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson and Sal Romano as another pitching prospect for the Reds. that's had a really, really good spring. So there are reasons to be excited, but with pitching, there's inconsistencies ups and downs. I think as a young pitcher, you almost have to, the hardest part is learning how to deal with failure because major league hitting is so good. And a lot of what you used to do to get hitters out in the minors doesn't work in the majors. You have to make adjustments. Adjustments. You have to maintain your confidence to throw, to throw strikes, to not just nibble, but, you know, believe that you can get major league hitters out. So, but yeah, he, um, I think he'll be a name that people get to know more and more because he's, yeah, he's so, he's just a big guy. I mean, being, and just, a, it's an interesting backstory too. You don't have a lot, whole lot of college basketball players that, you know, come and uh, succeed as major league pitchers. So, but thanks for asking. I love talking about him. I noticed. That was very, <laughs> very, inf- no, no, no sarcasm. That was incredibly informative because I never heard of him until today. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm glad that my suspicion that you knew all the things uh, was true. Yeah, he's been like he's been one of those guys that's been on the Reds' top prospect list for a long time. You know, he's he's never been the last couple of years. This is where he's risen to top five. But scouts have always loved him because of how projectable he is, and a lot of that doesn't always happen. But a lot of why they project or what they projected for him is coming to fruition as he's grown and as he's really sought to perfect his craft. So. It's going to be really interesting to watch him pitch this year. I think just on um, athleticism and stuff alone, he can he can be fairly uh, successful, and I think he'll continue to learn and grow um, with just how big, and um, they say his slider is really, really good. So if he can learn to control that, and he seems to be a pretty confident guy, which is important too, but we shall see. Cool. All right, ball number one. Um, the Netherlands <laughs> made the World Baseball Classic semifinals. What? Yeah, the, Squeeze me? The powerhouse Netherlands team. The kingdom of the Netherlands, let's be clear. Yes. I still get confused by 
that whole area, the Netherlands and why they're called the Dutch and all that. But <clears throat> yeah, they are, they're in the final four of the WBC. Yeah, who saw that coming? Probably, you know, not a ton of people. They do have some, they do have an impressive infield. Um, Jerickson Profar, he actually plays outfall for them, but he was a, a top second base shortstop prospect a few years ago before he went through a, b- a bunch of injuries. But they've got DD to, they've got DD to Gregorius on their team, Andrelton Simmons, Jonathan Scope, uh, Xander Bogarts. So they've got a, Okay, okay, time out. I know we've talked about the um the qualifications for playing for the Netherlands. How are any of those dudes remotely Dutch? <laughs> Again, they must have some Dutch in their in their family somewhere. Um but I've I enjoyed looking through their roster and seeing some of the names. Uh Vandermeer, lowercase V, lowercase D, mm-hmm. uppercase M. That was funny. That sounds Dutch to me. That De- sounds very Dutch. DeCaster. Uh, these are some of the guys I've never heard of. And then they got a guy, a pitcher named DeBlock, Pluger, Stufenbergen, Van Van Mill. Um, I don't even know how to say. Y-N-T-E-M-A. Ian Timma. Wintma? Something like Wintma? that. Um, oh, it starts with a Y. Oh, sorry, I thought it was yeah. W. Yikes. Yeah, that's hard. Vanderherk, and then someone you may know, Jared Jurgens. Remember him? <laughs> oh, no. Why did you bring him up? Well, he's he's currently leading their team in innings pitched in the WBC and has nine strikeouts and nine innings, giving up three runs. So he's a big reason why they are where they are. But I think um, a combination of it was weird how they and Israel really came through their their pool like they did. I think I think a big reason why and how they were set up was South South Korea really um, kind of blew it. Like they had a terrible showing. Like they were kind of seed. They were since we're in the tournament, you know, they would be thought of as a higher seed that didn't really deliver so that's where you have teams like israel and uh, the netherlands coming through um but yeah it's really interesting how they are in the the quarterfinals here of the wbc they would never they would not be a team that you would think would have made it as far as they have but they do have some major league talent on their team um the pitching is interesting to see that and they're they play the the puerto rico team that has kind of been killing everybody so we'll see we'll see how they do but hey it's baseball it looks like it's a one game playoff here so anything can happen yeah 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 that, still I just, gonna was... highly i'm not a betting man but if i could i would feel pretty confident in taking puerto rico puerto rico well let's just hold the phone on that one because strike number two is the usa in the semifinals yeah and, how about that uh, Giancarlo Stanton's home run. Oh, oh my. He could have killed somebody. It, yeah, like he should register his arms as guns because uh, I'll link to an article in the show notes, but the the ball speed off of his bat was 117 miles an hour. Yeah, it's insane. That, that's no joke. That could kill someone. 
His biggest problem, I think, is he just swings and misses too much. But man, when he gets a hold of the ball, there is no no field. He, he plays in one of the bigger fields in all baseball. But when he gets a hold of one, it doesn't matter where he's at. That ball is going to get out. I, w- I always get excited when he comes to uh, Great American to play because Great American is one of the smaller parks to see you know, the, where the home runs he hits end up landing. So, but yeah, that was a big, that was a big home run. And then did you see Adam Jones's catch to rob uh, Machado of a home run? Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I've seen photos of the catch and the fans reactions behind him. I was just like, Oh my God. Like it, it's just, it's caught perfectly. Um, I have not seen the replay of that. I have seen the replay of uh, Stanton's home run and it just was like, you could not hit a ball better than that, and I would imagine that that is the same for Adam Jones' catch. Is that it was just the perfect, uh, perfect break and perfect jump on a uh, potential home run. Yeah, you should you should watch the the highlight of that. I it gave me chills when I watched it. I mean, I it was one of the things that's funny because you knew it's coming, but just to see how high he jumped and to hear the crowd just go crazy after he caught it. And it was funny too, cause Machado is his teammate. So he like, he caught it and the Machado just like took his helmet off and gave him the old hat tip. Cause he was like, Oh my gosh, that was an incredible play. But that kept the game. They were up by two, kept the U S up by two. But yeah, that was impressive. Uh, the Dominican was a pretty loaded team in the U S. Uh, yeah, they beat him. So we'll see. They play Japan on Monday night, I believe, in the second semi. So I will definitely be trying to watch that game if possible. But I'm going to be honest, I did not expect the U.S. to make it this far. Well, you know, don't be a hater, Nick. Well, mainly just because it didn't feel like the U.S. was really trying that hard, you know? (laughs) Because it's like we're starting – I mean, Stroman's okay, but we're – we're starting Tanner Roark, and I don't know. We're we're definitely we definitely have better U.S. pitchers out there, which understandably, like some of the better pitchers, those teams probably don't want them pitching right now. So, but I don't know. I I still don't feel super confident that they're going to win the whole thing, but again, it's a one-game playoff. Anything could happen. Yeah. So exactly. Hey, well, it'll be fun. Just- Speaking of the World Baseball Classic and the semifinal matchups, uh, I think ball two should be what the heck? Who made these pools? Pool one, or sorry, pool E, the games played in Tokyo. Japan, okay, they're good at baseball, sure. Netherlands, Israel, and Cuba round out that pool. <laughs> Pool F, the games played in San Diego, Puerto Rico, the U.S., Dominican Republic, and Venezuela. Gee, <laughs> guess which pool's got a lot better teams in it? Come yeah. on! Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how initially they were selected, but again, Korea was, was thought to... So Pool A was uh, Israel, Netherlands, Korea, and China, I believe. So Korea really, really tanked, and China went 0 for 3. So, I mean, I think you look at that on paper, you think Korea and the Netherlands should have advanced. 
And then Japan and Cuba, I mean, those are two really good teams. Well, um, but Israel is the big outlier there. I think it would have looked stronger if if Korea was there. But still, even if it was Japan, Korea, Cuba, and Netherlands, all of Cuba's best players are in the U.S., so they can't play for Cuba. That's true. Uh, four years ago, or eight years ago, that would have been a lot different. But yeah, Cuba's, I think, just filled with a bunch of older guys that aren't good enough to come over to the majors now. Right, and they went 0 for 3. And I just, it. you look at the U.S.'s pool, Puerto Rico, who is very, very good. The U.S., who didn't field the best team, still made the semis. Dominican Republic has many, 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 many Major League Baseball players. And Venezuela has, like, it... it has the greatest player ever. Oh. Oh, really? Miguel Cabrera. Of course. I was just making sure you chose the right Venezuelan. That's all. <laughs> hey, the Reds have... Jose Peraza, he's Venezuelan, and he might be one of our better players this year. Yeah, well, he's no Mickey. Let's just... Yeah, he's no... Shout out to Cabrera. He's the bomb. And they have Felix. He's a stud. Yeah, I like Venezuela's team. They, um... Too bad they went 0 for 3. Yeah, they really did not show up in that second round there. But so, anyways, I just wanted to make the point that the pools were ridiculously selected. Sometimes life's not fair. Uh, sometimes, how about all the time? Pretty much, yeah. I think the sooner that you kind of understand that, the more that that makes sense. Yeah, anyone who tells their kids, you know, that life is fair is just setting them up for disappointment. Agreed. But that's a different show. That's dad college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and then I must admit here, last week I made a mistake when I closed out What's the Count early. <laughs> I left I left the first ever hit by pitch on the sheet, and I am so sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I meant to talk to you about this. You're just like, I thought I maybe he I doesn't want to go this way, no. but I was like so proud of this. I was like, I didn't even see it until I was editing the show last week, and I was going back over the show doc, and I was like, wait a minute, what's this? I just followed, Where did this come from? I followed your lead that we, we, we went with a strikeout instead of a hit by pitch. but <clears throat> Yeah, but we're going to go ahead and do that hit by pitch this week because this is uh, yikes. So yeah, it's a bit of old news, but. Yeah, hit by pitch. Ouch. But Ian Desmond fractured his hand a week and a half ago now, so he might miss some time. Uh, and Sal Perez, this was interesting. He got run into during the WBC by his teammate, Drew Brutera, in a really weird collision play. But he, uh, the tests from him have been a lot more positive. It doesn't seem like he's going to miss a ton of time. But it's kind of unfortunate to you know have a for the Royals to have one of your most crucial pieces, your everyday catcher, um, get injured by his backup. Uh, <laughs> so that was unfortunate. So hopefully there's no long-term ramifications there between those two. But like I said, I, I don't think he's going to miss a ton of time. It could have been, yeah, when I think I initially saw it, I was like, he could have blown his knee out and missed the whole year and how bad that would have been. And another reason I think people would have said to not have your best players play in the WBC, but I think it'll be all right. But hey, we're gonna we're gonna take one on the chin today. 
Um, hopefully, you know, there's injuries every year in spring training, but hopefully there aren't, there aren't many more in actual spring training or in the WBC because that's just unfortunate. No one wants to see that. So thanks for indulging me on that. I was really proud of that when I made that. But I, I think I initially just think that you didn't, I thought you didn't like it. So I didn't no, say anything. I genuinely didn't even know it was there until I went to edit the episode. So I apologize. That's, that's fine. We, we can move on. You know what I would like to see though, real quick, before we jump into our main topic is again, I'm going to start talking about soccer. Uh, Here we you know, go. Yeah, yeah, buckle your seatbelts, kids. Here we go. Uh, in soccer, the World Cup is the biggest competition around. It doesn't matter what club team you play for. It doesn't matter what, what form you're in for your club team. As soon as the World Cup comes around, everybody wants to play in the World Cup. And you'll never see a club tell a player, you can't play in the World Cup because you play for us and we want you to be healthy for the next season. And I know that the World Baseball Classic is not there. I realize that the World Cup kind of stands alone as the ultimate like worldwide uh, single sport competition. Obviously, the Olympics you know, take the cake for multi-sport competition. Um, but even your comment there of teams holding their best players out of the World Baseball Classic because they don't want them to get hurt, like it hamstrings the entire purpose of the competition, which is to see which nation is the best at baseball. And I realize that it's a marketing ploy by Major League Baseball to make you know baseball global and to get people playing it everywhere. But my hope is that in like, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, teams aren't being uh, short-sighted with their players, and they're allowing the best players on the planet to play the game at the highest level. Because that's what we want to see. We want to see the best pitching and the best hitting ever go against each other. I do have a question. Yeah. So where in the season does the World Cup fall in soccer? Like at the beginning, at the end, in the middle? For it, those of us uh, that don't know soccer at all. So the World Cup is always in the summer. And uh, for, all, for pretty much every league but MLS, it falls right before preseason. Okay. So so like in the World Cup year, you're going to play your entire your entire club season along with all of your World Cup qualifiers. You're going to get like 2 days off, then you're going to go to the World Cup, and then you're going to get like a week off, and then you're going to play the entire next season. So in the World Cup year, there is no off season. Hmm. You know, I think I think that if pitching wasn't involved in baseball, which that's a pretty big part of it, that's kind of ridiculous in saying this. I think it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but pitching is so such a big part of it, and there's just so much paranoia right now with injuries and you know pitchers that are making so much money that that's why it just doesn't come out to what a lot of people want it to be. Because I think a lot of the the regulars you see, like the U.S. and the other teams, do have some really good regulars playing. But the pitching is where you don't like you don't see the aces. I was actually surprised that Felix Hernandez pitched as much as he did in the WBC, and that's probably just because he's a little bit older 
and has proven to be durable. But I'm not saying that it's right or whatever, but I think that's a lot of the mindset behind it. And I think maybe, maybe if it was, you know, in the winter, like after the season's over, where, you know, if as long as pitchers didn't weren't too far over their, their pitching limits, but that's kind of tough to make that be after the, the World Series because the World Series is kind of like the the ending, the natural ending point to the season. But I'm with you. I mean, I think it's still so new. This is this this is only the what the fourth one ever. So maybe in another four, it'll be taken a lot more seriously, and you'll have guys, you know, fighting to be on those teams. But right now, I mean, it's better than it was eight years ago. I would say. Um, I didn't, I don't know if I cared about it at all eight years ago to whereas I've been genuinely interested and I feel like the, you know, looking at the U.S. team, that the team is better than it was eight years ago <clears throat> when Adam Dunn was playing first base, a, a position that he had barely played. So, so I don't know, but it would be cool to, to have it be more legitimate. I did read that Joe Madden wanted the the Cubs to play the the winners of the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Which would be hilarious, but anyways, but yeah, it's been fun. I'm excited to see the last two games here and leading into the finals, and it will just help make the last two weeks of spring training go even faster. Indeed. All right, Nick. Shall we get into our lineups? We should, but before we do that, where can people get in touch with us if they wanted to pick our brains or tell us how dumb we are? Yes, we encourage that. We can take, we have thick skin. We can take the criticism. If you care enough about baseball, we would love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at Coatsy, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E. That's two E's on the end. And uh, you can reach Cam at Cam Brennan on Twitter. And then Super Megacorp. Uh, What's the email dot net? <laughs> it's hello. Hello at Super Megacorp. Uh, dot net. B- yes. um, bomb that one. Forgot the hello. It's all right. It's all right. But who who really emails anymore? <clears throat> uh, not not anyone really. It's quite sad. Besides work, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you or text us if you have our numbers. Ooh, fancy. Uh, also, um, if you want to check the show notes out, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash Mendoza slash 30 and get all the links to the cool stuff we talked about. And also, if this show or any of our other shows or blogs or soon-to-be YouTube videos um, catch your fancy and you want to support us a little bit, we'd be really uh grateful if you did you can go to patreon.com slash super megacorp to see uh, all of our possible um support channels there we've got everything uh ranging from a dollar up to 50 bucks um if you want to throw some petty cash our way and with that i think it's time nick for you to tell all the fine listeners what it is that we're here to actually talk about Absolutely. So our main topic this week, we covered pitching last week. So we're going to get into our our top five lineups as we as currently standing as we head into the baseball season this year. Lineups that we feel one through eight 
uh, represent the most potential uh, for scoring runs, <clears throat> which is important to do in baseball. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll start off with this. It's nice because we have a little bit more variance uh, with our lineups and <laughs> choosing than we had with our pitching, where it seemed to be a consensus in the top five uh, rotations and bullpen. So, for listening. Uh, for the listening benefit, we'll be able to talk about some different teams as opposed to just the same ones on our list. So I'll start off. We did have a couple uh, similar ones, but I think they were because they are unanimously in the top five of lineups. And that would be, for me, the number one team is the Cubs. Uh, big surprise, but you're defending World Series champions returned pretty much everyone except for Dexter Fowler and they added uh, Kyle Schwarber back to the lineup who they only had for like two games last year so he's a pretty big piece to be able to add to that team of already uh, that's already pretty stacked so <clears throat> just looking at that team one through eight you know the only position that you don't really like that much is probably center where they have John Jay and Albert Almora in a platoon situation. But even that presents some advantages when you look at um, Jay being able to go against righties, where he has a much better average on-base percentage, and Almora uh, being able to go against lefties. Um, <clears throat> and then you don't, you don't even have, in the current one through eight that I'm looking at, you don't even have Javier Baez, who you could argue was one of the most valuable players in the, the Cubs World Series run just because of the the defense and um, just the intangibles and what he was able to bring to the team. But when you have him as a piece to be able to move around the infield, um, and then like we've talked about in the past, just you have so many players on this team, like uh, Bryant, Zobrist, even Contreras, Schwarber, who could play multiple positions and how – that just makes that lineup so much better because you can give guys rest throughout the year, keep them healthy. But also, you don't really sacrifice a ton of defense because these guys are so versatile. But anytime you can, yeah, you, you just start off with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, just the cornerstones of a just a fantastic offense, you know, the reigning MVP, Chris Bryant. And then you add Addison Russell, Ben Zobrist, uh, Contreras, Schwarber. And then Jason Hayward can't be any worse than he was last year. So I'm banking on him returning to a little bit more of an average major, average major leaguer. And I think that offense is going to be easily in the top three to five, at least, of runs scored um, going into the, the year. So so yeah, they were, they were my number one. They were actually third in runs per game last year. And I think that they can improve on that with Schwarber coming back with what he he's able to bring to the table. Yeah, I had the Cubs first as well. Um for all the reasons you listed, it's just it doesn't seem fair. Yeah, they're they're good and their their rotation was in the top 5. Um I think their their bullpen was in the top 5 for me at least, but barring major injuries, they're going to yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs again. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. And I also think it's a safe bet that this next team is going to be in the playoffs as well, and that would be the Red Sox of Boston. Yes, they are loaded as well. 
Yeah, so this team, I mean, let me name the ways in which I enjoy uh, this team. You've got starting outfield, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, Not even fair. Mit- well, yeah, that's and then you've got Mitch Moreland at first base, which, you know, not the best, but we'll see. Uh, Pedroia, Xander Bogarts, and Kung Fu Panda himself, Pablo Sandoval, who, based on what I've read, really wants to be good this year, so good for him, you know, not wanting to suck. Uh, and then you've got Hanley Ramirez at DH, which is uh, interesting to me. Yeah, he can't play in the field anymore, but he's still a good hitter. Well, we'll see. Um, it just, I mean, even the weak spots, you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's an average player. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't strike me as like there's a glaring like, oh, my gosh, that guy's going to hit 220 this year. Yeah. You know? I mean, going into this exercise, I was pretty convinced that I was going to put the Red Sox number one. But I do have questions about I couldn't put them over the Cubs because of – their catching situation there's a lot of question marks mm-hmm. there is sandy leon exactly. going to provide much mitch moreland i think he he will be a bit of an upgrade from because hanley played first most of last year and I'm, I'm sure he'll play some first too but i think mitch is going to be a better defensive first baseman but he's not going to be in the pop or the the peripheral um that hanley did at that position and i i just don't believe in pablo sandoval until i see it he just he's been terrible for a couple of years now, so we'll see how he comes back from that. Um Jackie Bradley, I don't I don't know if last year's offensive onslaught was real or not, because he never really came up. That wasn't his persona. He came up as a outstanding defensive outfielder, but not a you know, putting up, you know, hitting twenty home runs like he did last year. So but I mean you look at you look at Benintendi, Bogarts and Betts, those are if he could start a team with any three guys, like those are the three guys you want, just mashers and play good defense. So they're gonna, they're all gonna hit. I could see all of them hitting over three hundred, getting on base near a four hundred clip, and providing outstanding defensive value. And then you have Pedroia; he's still there too. But I just couldn't quite put them over the Cubs. But they were a very strong number two for me. Yeah, I would agree. And I believe that's where our uh, agreements end. Yeah, so this will be fun to look back on. So I, I'll go real quick on my number three, but I went with the Indians, which I was, a, I was a little surprised coming into it. I was like, there's no way that they're going to be in the offense because they were so strong in pitching. But I just, you look at what they were able to do last year, um, and I just love Francisco Lindor. Like, he's just such... He's such a good player, and he's been so good at the WBC, and he's so young still. He's only going to get better. But you got him, and you got Kipnis, you got Carlos Santana. Um, and a big part of why I put them up here, too, is because they have Edwin Encarnacion now. I mean, this is a perennial, like, first-round fantasy pick, 30 home runs, um, getting on base at a really good clip. Like, that's a huge part of their lineup now that – they can plug it. He could plug him in the middle and you got Michael Brantley coming back. There's a big question mark on him, how healthy he's going to be with his shoulder, but there's a lot of talent there. So just, you know, I look at those, uh, those five guys, like that's a really solid lineup right there. And then Jose Ramirez, I think showed some potential, you know, and then it gets down to Chisholm, Gomes and Naquin 
where it kind of tails off from me. But they do have Bradley Zimmer in the AAA. He's, he has some potential. You know, he could take over for Chisenhall. And if he produces, that makes that lineup look even better. You know, Jan Gomes once was known for being an offensive catcher. And I don't know what's happened to him, but he has forgotten out of hit the past couple years. So there's a chance he could come back as well. So just, you know, one through six, one through seven, the Indians are, are strong. And then they really tail off. But they do have some guys in the minors that could come up. But, yeah, that's why... That's why I chose to put them at number three. So I've I read a few publications that have them number one, which I, w- I would well, not do. But They would be wrong because there's no way they're number one. <laughs> not There's not a possibility that they're the number one lineup in baseball. I will say they were fourth in runs last year, runs per game, and that's without uh, Edwin Encarnacion and now potentially a healthy Michael Brantley. So just putting that out there. Well, you know, that's fine. You can put whatever you want out there. I'm still going to disagree when it comes to that team. Are you are just, you going to be one of those guys that, you know, I put facts out there and you don't even care about facts? Don't even go there. That's totally not even what's happening. Okay, I'm just making sure. Oh, I'm so angry now. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so I will give you Edmund Encarnacion and Francisco Lindor and Jason Kipnis. And maybe even Carlos Santana. But I'm sorry, Jan Gomes, Lonnie Chisholm, Tyler Naquin, and a question mark in Michael Brantley. That's half a good lineup. <laughs> and then half a lineup that could be really, really, really bad. Maybe I'm counting on Zimmer to come up and do well. And well, and, and my point is like there are other teams in the league that have fewer question marks and more proven, promising hitters than the Cleveland Indians. And yeah, I don't like them because they're Cleveland. I admit I'm biased, but you cannot tell me that a team that's got Jan Gomes, Tyler Naquin, and Lonnie Chisholm Hall is in the top three lineups in baseball. It's just not happening. I'm sorry. Well, doesn't work. I'm going to take the team that was fourth in runs per game last year and added a potential MVP candidate in Edwin Encarnacion and say that they will be, that it's safe to say they could be in the top three. That's all I'm going to say. We shall see. Baseball's a funny game. So my number three, and now after I went on that rant against the Indians, I'm really not quite sure I believe this anymore. My number three (laughs) is the Washington Nationals. And I feel like the argument I just made against the Indians could be made against the Nationals here. Uh, There are question marks. Matt Wieters, for example, big question mark. Um, But I feel like with Daniel Murphy, Bryce Harper, Ryan Zimmerman, Trey Turner. Ooh, Ryan Zimmerman. Well, I'm not okay. Ooh. He's not he is not Miguel Cabrera. Obviously. Mm-mm. That much is true. Um but if we're going to put the Red Sox ahead with Mitch Moreland at first base, then now granted the Red Sox are stronger in other areas. So the question marks here are is Jason Worth going to be any good? Is Zimmerman going to hit well? And his and then, his shoulder going to stay together, and yeah, so there there are question marks here. I understand that, um, but Daniel Murphy has been incredible. Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. Um, 
Yeah, and the more that I look at this, the more that I want to move them down from three. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I was smoking you're not, earlier. You're not even letting me, like, critique your pick. You're just doing it No, because, well, because I realized after I got all angry about your Indians pick that this pick is not not nearly as convincing as, you know, my research earlier. So, yeah, I have the Nationals at three, but I am very, very willing to uh, be persuaded to move them down. Now, if Daniel Murphy is able to post the season he did last year, then I could see it. But that's a big, that's going to be one of my things I watched this year is to see if he can keep up what he did last year because last year is just such an outlier from what he's done the rest of his career. But we'll see. Um, and Well, he has been working out with Tim Tebow. Oh, so wow. Probably going to benefit him in the long run. He, he is blessed. Um, <laughs> Bryce Harper, he's... Um, maybe I'm a little fatigued on him. I've just I've heard year after year how amazing he is, and he's good, and he's still very young. I will give him that, but he's he's not a perennial all star that a lot of people say that he is at this point in his career. Still could definitely develop into that. I'm not going to say that he can't, but I want to see it first. Um, Rendon, he's a he's a good piece too. He needs to be healthy, but a couple guys I love. I love Trey Turner. I. Hopefully, I think I've professed this on this podcast before, but he is—he's a stud, and I think that he's going to be a superstar after this year. And Adam Eaton, I think, is a huge addition to that to that lineup. So, <clears throat> I want to affirm a little bit of they are going to be a team that puts up some runs just because they've got some guys at the top of that lineup that get on base. So, if they keep it up last year, you got Harper who got on base uh, at thirty-seven percent of the time. Trey Turner was at thirty-seven percent. Daniel Murphy was at 39%, uh, Rendon 35%, so you got, and Eaton was at 36%. So you got a bunch of guys here that are putting up really good OBPs. So that's a big part of scoring runs. So we shall see. All right, my number four. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit with this one, but it's just too, this is just too easy for me to pick the Rockies. Um. And I can almost be convinced to put them at number three just because they, as a product of where they're at, they're going to put up runs. So they're go, they're probably always going to be in the top ten of runs scored. But I really like their offense, um, especially with the addition of Desmond, if he comes back healthy. Because you, you just have an outfield that's stacked with um, guys that can do it all, and Charlie Blackman, Carlos Gonzalez, and David Dahl. I think he's going to, if he stays healthy, which has been an issue for him, he was a top prospect that came up last year. That had a really good debut. And then you add in Nolan Arenado, who could be a dark horse MVP candidate this year if the Rockies were actually any good. I think he's criminally underrated for the offensive production that he gives and then his defensive production as well. And then you got Trevor Story, the darling of the first two months of last year. And that in and of itself is an amazing offense. Add to the fact DJ LeMahieu, who had over a 400 OBP last year, and that is one heck of a lineup. So if they get any pitching this year, I think they could be they could be a contender for the wild card. I'll just throw that out there. But the Rockies are my number four. Yeah, I'm going to pull an audible here and move them to four on my list. Uh, I had... I had them in my options uh, pool, but just going over again that roster, that's 
pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty darn freaking good. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why they weren't on my list. Um, I think it's just because their pitching is so bad that I let that cloud my my judgment of their lineup, which is obviously not not a good thing because we're not talking about pitching. There's a reason their uh, starting lineup and bullpen wasn't in any of our top fives. Um, but yeah, this uh, this lineup has the potential to um, hit lots of hit hit lots of balls and score lots of runs. So I'm totally uh, on board with that pick. All right, so you're you're gonna make that audible and go Rockies four. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. All right, so I will I'll wrap up with the Astros at five. They they've got a lot of really good players. I love their lineup. They've made some really good additions too. They're really deep, and I really I'm I'm believing in this team again after seeing this lineup. I just wish they had better pitching. But George Springer. Gotta love him. Jose Altuve, such a stud. Carlos Correa is a stud. Carlos Beltran falls out of bed hitting. <laughs> Alex Bregman, I think this year is going to be his big breaking out party. They added Josh Reddick this offseason. Really good major league hitter. Ulysses Gariel, uh, he's the, the Cuban that they signed midway through the year last year. Uh, they have him playing first base, but this is another team like the Cubs where they have a lot of positional flexibility with uh, Bregman. He could play short. Guriel could play third, uh, second, or first. Um, I think adding Beltran will be good for their offense. And, yeah, they added Brian McCann as well. So this is, you know, I, they've got – a lot of name power, but I mean, this is a team that was 15th and run scored last year. So with a lot of these same guys, so I, I do feel not as optimistic about it. Maybe it kind of feels like a, I love all these names, not kind of looking past production, but I think that last year was just a bit of a down year for them. And I think that, you know, Correa especially kind of had a bit of a down year from what a lot of people were thinking that he was going to do. So I think he bounces back. I think Altuve is going to, Again, be an MVP candidate. And I think Bregman, Bregman, Reddick, and Guriel are going to be really good run producers as well. So there are obviously a lot of other really good lineups, but I'll go with the Astros at five. Well, I'm not going to go with the Astros at five. I'm going to follow my heart, Nick, all the way back to Detroit. And I'm going to go with the Detroit Tigers. Well, Hear me out. The Tigers' weakness has never been offense. It's always been their bullpen. And this year, it's going to be their starting lineup and their bullpen. <laughs> it, won't be, it won't be their offense. We've got two big weak, two, maybe three weaknesses on offense. Mike Matuk, McCann, and Iglesias. However, we counter that with... Justin Upton, Ian Kinsler, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez, and Nick Castellanos. Martinez was an all-star. Castellanos will be an all-star. Miguel Cabrera is an MVP candidate. Ian Kinsler is as solid as it gets at second base. And Justin Upton, when he decides to play baseball, is really good. So, And then, of course, Victor Martinez at DH. Uh, so as long as they all stay healthy, I feel like the Tigers will have a very strong offense. 
And that is, that's the huge question mark because they've got some old guys. But yeah, they, Martinez, uh, J.D. Martinez, Cabrera, like those are amazing hitters. And that's a great to have as your two and three. And you surround them by Kinsler and Martinez. Yeah, if Upton can stop being so dang streaky and just put together a full year, I mean, that's another guy that can be uh, offensive power. But it definitely falls off a little bit after that. But those guys could carry an offense for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I could have gone with the Astros as you did, the Rangers, um, the Indians, or the Yankees even. Although there's a lot of question marks on the Yankees. Um, I think they have potential. Um, But I just thought with with what the Tigers have on paper, Offense should not be an issue this year. It it really does come down to the bullpen and then who the heck is going to pitch well after Verlander and Fulmer, really. Hey, I think in this segment last year I picked the Reds because I was optimistic because they did have some some pieces there. So I don't don't jinx me, please. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have mad respect. You're you're sticking with your team. Well, I didn't pick them anywhere else, and I thought if there was at least one category where they are good, it is on offense. So we'll see. We shall see. We shall, in a short order. Well, Cam, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to next week in our fantasy draft. Yes, it should be very good. I'm quite excited. I am too. It's definitely snuck up on me a little bit here, but... It's definitely one of my favorite things of the year to do. We'll actually have some some players to to talk about and to be able to follow this year. And then right after that, we'll do our I think the the Sunday of the season starting, we'll do our MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year picks like we've done in the past. And then yeah, we'll get ready for a, the 2017 baseball season. Super excited! Sounds like a plan, sir. Until next time, bye. Bye.